Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the after... After the 90 podcast where me and my mate Charlie chat absolute shite. Um, yeah, so Charlie, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Charlie. I'm a Bradford fan. I'm going to plug my Twitter at Parade as the on Twitter. Uh, do a couple of threads. I've done a couple of podcasts with Lux Sports Media about League Two. And uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be co-hosting with yeah, the lovely so- Heath. This is what happens when somebody gets 5,700 followers on Twitter and decide to make a podcast. Um, so it's what I've done. But yeah, there's going to be no real sort of structure around the podcast. Um, we're just going to have a laugh. We're going to chat football. We're going to chat all things, really. We might have the occasional guests on from all different backgrounds. And yeah, that's it, really. So, Charlie, what have you done this weekend? This weekend, I uh, I got up ready for the game, uh, only to find out it's been postponed. So, yeah, due to a waterlogged pitch, been raining everywhere, all over, a couple of games postponed. But I'm fuming because we didn't have a game last week. We're out of FA Cup. So, spent the weekend just sort of lounging about in my boxes, watching Premier League. Yeah, but to be honest with you, I think it's quite unfortunate with the postponement because you were starting to find some form too, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's annoying because the thing is with, with Salford is they sort of had quite a few injuries, so it's the it's the perfect time for us to play them and sort of the worst time for them to play us. But, you know, with game being off, you know, who knows where, I don't even know when it's meant to be played, but, you know, form could have turned again for both teams by then. So, um, Yeah, just before I talk about my weekend, I would like just to say a massive thank you to Look Sports Media for helping with the podcast, making it possible, and for Ryan for um, helping set it all up. It wouldn't have happened without Ryan or without the help of Charlie, who always nagging at me and making sure we can get it done because it's been on the cards for quite a while now. But yeah, this weekend, I wish Man United game would have got postponed. Um, I think in terms of Eric Tenag being involved, that's probably one of the worst matches I've seen him doing. If you take away the obvious 7-0 against Liverpool... But in terms of frustrating, that was probably up there where I've lost all like lost all hope. I just want him to get sacked. But I do understand that without a sporting structure in place, the next manager who would come in would just be set up to fail. So it'd be a never-ending cycle. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I was frustrated <laughs> about that result because they had an acker on. And uh, United were the only... I had a fiver on it. I would have made 100 quid. And uh, all I needed, all that were left were for United to win. And uh, they didn't do that. They couldn't do that against Bournemouth, which is annoying. But you know, I spoke a bit about the uh, the uh, United situation on the, on the group chat the other night. And it, for me, as an outsider, it it feels as though everything at that club's not the way it should be. There's some players who are getting easy rides, and there's some players who are getting difficult rides. And it's you know, tactically, sometimes it's like what's going on here. But it 
you can say that about anything at that club at the moment. You know, the, the leaky roof as well. Rotten top yeah. to bottom, Ryan said in the chat there. Yeah, and he's right. Um, in terms of the owners, don't get me wrong, there's a lot worse circumstances further down the league where clubs are on the brink of losing the club. And But I think we still can speak about how poorly a club's run without it being compared to another one, maybe. And with United, it's not really the case of um, just having businessmen. They don't want to spend money. They leave the club in debt and they just don't want to improve the ground. And they think by... Spend just honestly, they just if Ten Hag says he wants to sign a player, he'll do the splash out stupid money. There's no like thought behind the signings, and it's it's really quite poor to be honest. It's quite dull being a United fan now, but to be honest with you, I don't expect anything more. So, I am probably at the stage of my life where I'm enjoying football the most in terms of watching EFL football, National League football, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about United because I do think. The leagues that aren't talked about when the fraps are bringing me the most joy right now. Yeah, so so we talk about the the leagues that aren't talked about enough. Which one's shining the most for you at the moment? I'd probably say the championship is probably my favourite league in the world right now. But you could say any EFL leagues, just because. So I mean, recently Man City have been quite poor, but you sort of know what the results going to be when yeah. Man City play, and you sort of know who's going to be sort towards the top of the league in Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. But with Championship, League One, League Two, you never know. Like, would you really expect Barrow shouldn't be where they are right now? Stevenage shouldn't be where they are right now in League One. Um, Ipswich shouldn't be second in the Championship, stuff like that. Um, obviously, you had the Leicester situation in the Premier League, but that the thing is with Championship, League One, League Two, National League, it's every season there's a team overachieving. I think that's like really nice to see. Well, yeah, it's like it's like uh, Crawley in Bradford's league, League Two. You know, they very nearly went down last season, and then at the start of this season, they were tipped. So were Barrow, tipped to go down. They were, they were one of favourites to go down. Both of them were, and you know, the, the Barrow especially, they're they're higher up now. They just it doesn't seem like they're going to stop. And then Crawley, they've slowed down a bit, but the start they had to the season, it was phenomenal. And I, you know. There's no chance of them getting relegated now. It's really surprising. Things can change, but for me, that's that's what I enjoy about the EFL. Obviously, I'm biased when most of the football I watch is in the EFL, but like watching the Premier League, you get to watch some brilliant football. But like you said, it's just predictable. You know what's going to happen. And every now and then you'll get a freak result, but it's just lower down. It's just so bizarre almost. It's such a different world compared to the Premier League. Like Steve Evans and Stevenage, you mentioned, what are they doing in League One? What are they doing that high in League One? It's just, it's insane. The same with Ipswich, they're they're on track to uh, to go up, if, you know, if they keep this up, but that which is insane. And um, I saw a stat on, I think it was on Sky Sports while watching the Man City Luton game earlier today. Oh no, it won't. It was on Twitter. Anyway, I saw I saw this stat about saying the the best starts to a uh, championship season and it's Leicester and Ipswich this season that are first and second respectively which is insane insane especially considering it's Ipswich's first season up it's just unbelievable what's going on there and it's it goes down you like to talk about this it's the sustainability of the football and how they play and sort of Kieran McKenna has them playing the right way and just in a way that's it, it's strange to see but so successful and it's helping them out yeah, just I would like to just say quickly. Obviously, Aston Villa are doing quite well in the Premier League yeah. this season, but they've also spent quite a bit of money. And when you compare it to the teams like I don't know Crawley, Barrow, they've not got the squads to where they should be. Sort of thing. Aston Villa yeah. should be third, but they they got Europa League last season, Europa Conference League. So it's not too much of a surprise that they're sitting where they are right now. But with the likes of Barrow, Stevenage, Ipswich. Ipswich, maybe just because they've got a really good coach, but no, but I can't imagine anybody said Stevenage be doing this well. And the worst thing is, not the worst thing, depends what perspective you're looking from, but I don't think, I can't, honestly, it's so sustainable the way they're playing. It's not, like I've, I've always said, it's not easy on the eye football, but they break up play, they don't let the opposition play for long periods of time. Um, they, they're honestly, they're so behind Steve Evans, you can tell, and right now, I've put a tweet out yesterday. I wouldn't even be surprised if they went and won the league. You really think that? I See, 
Steve Evans, I experienced it first and last season, just how insane and capable they were. We did all right against Stevenage, but just the way they went about doing things, you know they meant business, you know, stuff like that. And it, it was just, I don't know, I can't, obviously they're on a good trajectory now, but it just feels wrong. But that kind of that's kind of a statement to how well they're doing, you know, but it just doesn't feel like something that, that makes sense and should be happening. But, you know, it, I'm, but, um, I'm all for it, you know. When I look at it, it gives me absolute vibes of where Luton did the same. Um, they didn't play easy on their football. They still don't play that now. They never have. It's not the way of playing. They admit they take the most. They make the most of long throw-ins, free kicks, every set piece. They'll try and get into the yeah. box. It's just take. They won't let the game fully flow because they know that suits your position. So, like I think, I see Stevenage have give away the most fouls in the league, and that's just not a coincidence. It's because they don't want the game to. They want the game to be stop and start. It suits them more than the opposition, and. Um, it's a credit to Steve Evans, really, and Stevenage. Massive but credit. I've always said that this season, I don't think Cleveland's that good anyway this season in terms of, like, Lincoln have got so much better under Skabala and there's a couple of other teams that are starting to kick on now, but Stevenage just, they don't look, they went 1-0 down yesterday, they came back and won 2-1. They don't look like falling under pressure and right now they don't look like they're going to be stopped. Even if they lose the occasional couple of games, there's not many teams in League One that are winning every game, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned another team there that I want to discuss immediately because I love what they're doing. I love what they have done, uh, Luton. Saw the game against Man City today. There's the game against Arsenal. Both maybe the two favourites to win the league this season. Uh, well, definitely early on, but Man City have been a bit shaky now. But anyway, they're not they're not getting too bad results on paper, you know, to be able to sort of expect them to stay up. I think they'll stay up as a bit of a wild card. But it's because, you know, Kenilworth, the atmosphere around there for fans and stuff like that, you sort of got to think these fans have seen absolutely everything, absolutely everything. And they'll be there for it. They'll turn up every game. And I think the bigger teams might come not expecting the sort of atmosphere, you know, the cliche of a fortress. And I, and that's what I think it is. And I wouldn't be too surprised if they stay up. I mean, you look at Sheffield United losing a couple key players, although they made a, they, they signed like Gus Harmer and stuff. But then Burnley, who've shocked me, they're, they're you know, second bottom now. And it's like, what's going on? I, I wouldn't be too surprised if Luton stay up. But overall, I don't know what your thoughts are on Luton. Well, um, at the start of the season, I'd say first five games, they had it nailed on it were Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United all going straight yeah. back down. But they've all shown me signs in the like, last couple of weeks that there's something there for them. Burnley have started to pull out a couple of results. Drew away at Brighton yesterday. Luton, the only thing I would say is all the energy they put into the Liverpool game where they conceded a late equaliser to Luis Diaz. The Arsenal game, they conceded the last kick at game to Declan Rice and walked away with no points. And Man City today, they were one nil up first, however long, and then they lost. So it's a lot of energy being put in. I mean, they're not expected to get anything from them games, but it must be sort of demoralising. But to be honest with you, I said to Callum the other day, I don't think they'll stay up. But as it goes on now, I, I don't see if they can pick up the home. But if they play against like the other teams, like the mid-table teams, and they pick up points at home, I think that's key. Away, I think they will struggle. But I don't see why they couldn't stay up. I think it's I think it's quite open this season. I think Everton will stay up. I think they're too good to go down. Um, Nottingham Forest will get dragged into it. I think um, Sheffield United, with them having wild now, for some reason something tells me they're going to stay up. I don't know why, but there's just something there saying they're going to stay up and they're going to. It's just it'd be such a wilder sort of story. Not really succeeded in Championship clubs since leaving Sheffield United then to go back and then succeed a bit crazy. It's going to be interesting though, isn't it? Because if you look at it, there's sort of half the table could go down and half the table could be pushing for those European spots. It's really, really, really interesting. You know, look, look where Newcastle are in the table, you know, the poor result today. But at the same time, they're not going down, you know, and you people will probably expect them to push on from this and stuff like that. But then you go a bit 
a couple of spots down the table and you're starting to look at teams who think, well, maybe if they're not careful, they could get relegated. It's it's really <laughs> interesting Premier League season, but you know, you sort of mentioned it, it's it's somewhat predictable. I think the unpredictability of the Premier League is somewhat the the bottom, you know. Yeah. The way it changes at the bottom is insane, especially, you know, Everton, they've got the 10 points deduction. They're still clear as it stands. And Everton, we've seen, have sort of found a way to just get through by the skin of their teeth. It's like an art for them, really. It's really interesting. But I'm, I'm finding it really interesting, just the the disparity. I don't even know if that's the right word. I barely know what that word means. But the disparity between in quality between the teams, you know, throughout the Premier, it's really weird to see, like... Yeah. Just the difference. Like, I, I think in terms of the gap between sort of Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, even to Man United is far. Like, yeah. Um, we're still, in my opinion, a couple of seasons behind even Arsenal at this rate. Um, Arsenal are far, <clears throat> have an identity. They know how they want to play. They're picking up results. Same with Liverpool this season. They don't even have a bloody holding midfielder. They're still finding yeah. ways to win games. <clears throat> but um, I do agree in terms of I think the the top four teams, maybe five teams if you include Spurs too, are like far clearer than maybe the bottom half. It's not like a different league. Um, but yeah, like I say, with the Premier League, it's quite predictable. Who you think you could pick the top four, and nine times out of ten, you'd be right. But if you look down Championship, League One, League Two, nine times out of ten, you'd probably be wrong. Well, you can uh, look at the top four now. And it could be totally different, you know, by the end of the season. It's really strange to see how stuff like that happens. You know, you look at like, or even the bottom four all throughout the table, you know, look at like, like Gillingham. Think about how they started the season compared to how they're going now. That's really interesting. And that could be a change in management. But at the same time, or Gillingham last season, you know, uh, after January, they went on an immense um, unbeaten. Their record at home was insane. I mean, Bradford yeah, did manage of, to beat him. But... Yeah, top of the league form after January, I believe. Yeah. So it just shows that anything like because at one point they was in danger of relegation until this um, until they backed Harris, which whether he should have gone before that, who knows? But it proved to yeah. be the right call in the end. They kept him up, and he's shown with the new ownership. And back in January, they did a good job. Ultimately, he got sacked. Now he's managing the division higher. But um, it's just a funny, funny old world league too. Um, I think this season, many people, including myself, expected Notts County to win the league. Which, yeah, I did. When you consider that's the two probably, I'd say out of the five favourites, two of the teams were the two teams that came up. Um, it's sort of crazy. They could both still go up. It's quite open now. Um, I think I've seen, I think like 20 for something like that, like nine points off playoffs or something daft. So it's just like, you just need a good run of form. And Stockport have shown you can get a good run of form, yeah. even though they've not won in the last three games now. It can put you in a good position. And I think Stockport, I mean, I think I think they'll win the league now. I think they will. I mean, so, Stockport, I, I said this earlier on in the season, and you could have, could have said it last season, to be honest. It, it seems like they've just hit the nail on the head in terms of like the right model for their club, the the right way for their club to grow and develop. And you know, you've got to remember how long they spend absolutely just in the depths of like the football in not even the football in league. You know, the the pyramid, and just to see that they've sort of worked out this plan for growth and slowly but surely built upon it. I expect them to win the league. They're, they're consistent. You watch their play, you watch the highlights, you just look at their squad. The quality is just immense. And it's the sort of team that it just it feels like a league winning side. Yeah, definitely. In terms of talking about football on League Two, if you do want to watch more in-depth sort of stuff on that, check out the Luxport Media podcast. You have one for championship, yeah. League One, League Two, and National League now. So make sure to check them out. And Charlie, I'm interested. Have you got an F- FM save going this season, this year? I have I have got an FM save going. Uh, I, I started off with about five FM saves. Uh, <laughs> I got it this year, excited. Uh, last year, actually, my first FM and I had a ball on it. You spend way too much time on those games. But started it, tried every formation under the sun. 5-0 loss, 2-0 loss, 3-0 loss. Going 1-0 up and then conceding two in last, like, 
three minutes, stuff like that. But no, I'm at Bradford again, as I always have been. We tried, uh, who were it we tried? We tried Brighton. That didn't work either. Um, but I tried uh, Bradford. I went for a new system. I'll just do 4-2-3-1 uh, gig and press. And we're absolutely flying. We're top at league. I remember best game this season as a manager. Uh, probably for me, it was, I think it was a, 5-4 win against Stockport County. We went 2-0 up, then they scored three, and then we just brought it back. We just, it, it was a brilliant game, that. Um, but, you yeah, know, I'm loving FM this season. I'm still only in my first season, though, uh, because I've tried so many times to get it right, and I've only just found something that works, which might be cheating a bit, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I'm loving the squad. I'm, I'm just using the squad that we started this season with, you know, but it's good. It's a lot more in-depth than last season, I feel. Uh, I don't know how your season's going. Uh, I've just won the league with Peterborough. I started it only the other day. I put a tweet out asking for team suggestions and someone said, go Peterborough, but make the signings realistic. So I did that. Uh, I signed all my players from either League 2 or National League. Um, all youngsters, all upcoming. I signed somebody from Colchester who's been a starter. I, to be honest, I went with um, Custom Tikitaka. Four two, four two, three one, and it served me well. I think I, st- I think I top at league by six points in the first twelve games, and then I fell off. And I ended up winning the league on last day of the season, so all happy days over here. But I am enjoying it. I think it's, I think it's a lot smoother than last year. Yeah. Um, and also when I'm in like an FM zone, I can just zone out for hours and just not think about anything else. <clears throat> it's quite nice. It's, um, yeah, it sort of like lets me put my football brain into sort of use. So, as a manager, you know what? What are some of the hardest moments you've faced on FM? What's the, what's the biggest feat? <laughs> this sounds like bloody. This sounds like real life. This sounds like, so yeah, I'll start <laughs> crying all night about. Um, probably the second to last game I was playing against second in the league, and they beat me and went top. And I was thinking, no, I want to win my first title this year. So please just let me. And then they end up losing last game of the season. So it went from my lowest point to probably my highest point within 10 minutes. I mean, yeah, I remember I remember last season when I won League Two in my first season mm-hmm. at Bradford, which is probably something I'd put on my CV. It's uh, one of my proudest moments. You sit there and watching them lift the trophy, it's just brilliant. Or, you know, seeing we, we had to win the last game to... We, we went up early on, you know, with a couple of games, Clay, but we didn't win the league until the last day. And um, I remember when when Verdane Oliver scored that winning goal, the limbs in my bedroom, which well, sounds knee dodgy. Yeah, knee sliding around carpet, just giving it big. And I took a couple of pictures at lads lifting trophies. Probably the proudest I've ever been. I, I I still think I've celebrated that goal harder than I've scored. Then I've celebrated a lot more uh, real life goals, <laughs> but you know it's it's strangely fulfilling, isn't it? When you when you finally get stuff right on FM and stuff like that. Yeah, um, it's it's surprisingly fulfilling the fact that I'm celebrating to myself in my room and nobody's there, and I'm playing a I'm playing literally a virtual game. But it's what it does. Um, football works magic in many different ways, whether it's real life football or virtual football, whether that's FIFA. FM, whatever it may be, it's great. But um, what was I about to say? Oh, I am actually going to a Bradford game in a couple of weeks. That was that's what I was about. Oh, to which say. one? Is it Stockport? Stockport, yeah. yeah. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Yeah, so it might be a nice little meet up between all the gang. I'm pretty yeah. sure Liam will be going. Hannah will be going. I imagine. Oh, uh, if we win Stockport for context. And I might go on a rant here, so you're going to have to be on standby just in case. But Stockport at home last season is probably one of the angriest I've been at a Bradford game. Just seeing... So Stockport have this really good player, Paddy Madden. You know, he's had goal-scoring experience throughout the EFL. He, he helped get him back into the EFL. Great player. When, it, when they came to Argaff, he was rolling about on the floor, faking the head injuries, all this, all that, stopping us playing the game. And I believe we were in quite good form then, and they, they were in the best of form. So it was going to be in a, it were a game I was confident for. And it was just, oh my God, this player just going down at every single chance, wasting time. And then at the end, he scored, scored a penalty to win the game. And 
I hate him. I really don't like him now just because of that. And I guess you could talk about the magic of football about that. You know, why do I hate this random guy? He's done nothing wrong to me. But I, I, thought, you always give, um, I thought you always give Hannah's dog a funny look when she sends it. It yeah. all started to make sense now <laughs> for context of dog is called. Is it Madden? Madden, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's great. Charlie ran in about Bradford. I knew it was going to happen. I didn't think it'd take 25 minutes to happen, but it did. And it wasn't actually about Bradford. It was about an opposition player. So, Charlie, I'm proud <laughs> of you for that. That is. Um, and while we're talking about football, I'm interested. What is. We've talked about our best sort of FM memories and our lowest points. What, what's your best sort of memory within football? My best memory within football, and it's going to be a cliche as a Bradford fan, it is, as a singular memory, it is the Chelsea game. Now, I'm not going to lie, at the at the age of, when were this, this was 2015, I were only 10, I didn't get football enough then to understand the scale of what were going on, but I knew we'd just beaten a bloody good team. You know, you just went to their ground and you thought, oh, this is a big ground, this is a nice ground, oh, it's Chelsea, oh, we've beat them. And I just, I remember not not just me being happy, but how happy the people were around me and stuff. But then I'd say just the happiest memory in football as a whole is the whole sort of 2013 period and the 2013 squad. Every Bradford fan will say that, especially in modern times. I, I sort of, I, I credit that to why I sort of enjoy football because I liked Bradford before I liked football as a whole, which is weird. You know, I, I didn't get into the Premier League until a couple of years ago, which, again, is weird. But, you know, at the age of whatever, like seven, eight, I remember just Naki Wells. I remember him, what a player, Gary Jones, Rory McArdle, James Hansen, all these players. And it was just that era. And City fans talk about this way too much. I'm talking about it way too much. But just to feel like a oneness with the squad and just having players that you know and love. And that's... That's an era that I look back on fondly. But if I had to say one match, I think me and a lot of other Bradford fans in this era, we'd say Chelsea in the cup. So I don't know about you. Well, surprisingly, I am a Man United fan, but it wouldn't actually be with Man United um, for many reasons, really. I think when I watched Halifax beat Grimsby at Wembley, just little old Halifax getting to Wembley anyway was a shock, regardless of what trophy it was in. It was in the FA Trophy. We just went down that season and Grimsby... Halifax is my local club, by the way. Uh, it's born and bred Halifax. Um, Grimsby just went up that season, so we didn't expect to win, but we did win. But it was more of seeing, like, we don't have the biggest of attendance, but seeing the sort of full town come together and travel to Wembley um, and how much it meant to the town, how great it was. It sort of put like a togetherness. It's what I imagined the full country to be like if England won the World Cup or Euros. But for a little town, it were, it was great. Um so maybe not for football, many footballs, although I do like Halifax. I don't have that sort of emotional connection as much as I do with United. But just seeing like friends and family all like so overjoyed, I think that means more than anything really. So quite an emotional reason, but it's a reason that's it's a footballing sort of memory that will always jump to my head first. Yeah, obviously me and you have had a lot of chats about Halifax and uh, your sort of your views on Premier League versus EFL or National League. But do you want to talk about that a bit more for for the viewers because obviously they've not had these conversations. What what do you think the biggest difference is? We touched on it earlier between the EFL experience as a fan and the Premier League experience. Um, with the Premier League experience, I always every time I go to Old Trafford, I'm always amazed when I walk out. Like just. I can't explain the feeling. It's just sort of like blown away a feeling. But then again, at a club like Halifax, I feel appreciated for being there. Like I feel like an actual fan. Uh, when I go to United, obviously players don't know me. Nobody, nobody really appreciates me. Like, and it's not just about being appreciated. I just feel like the players really care about the fans. The players play for the fans at Halifax. They know what the footballing means to the town. And they always come over to the fans after every game sort of stuff. But with United, it's very much, oh, well, I've played football now, I can sort of go on. Um, lack of passion, maybe, probably. But I think it's probably a thing across all football with lower league clubs having that more fashion and fight just because they know what it means to the community and fans. And they're sort of, um, they're not, but like when, you, when you're at a big club, you sort of don't appreciate the community enough, maybe. I'm not saying it's for everyone. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Body, by the way, but as a whole. But um, lower down, I think if you ask a lot of players in League 2, National League, they'll be able to tell you a lot about where they live, what the town's like as a whole, what the people are like, what it means to the fans. And they're just so invested. I love that. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's one thing I feel about it is there's a, there's a big disconnect from fans. You know, there's the cliche of, you know, United fans being from London and stuff like that. I don't, but at the same time, you know, it's sort of expected that as a club gets better and bigger, you know, United's one of the biggest, biggest club in country, one of the biggest in the world. You can't really expect everyone to be from there. But at the same time, for me, one of my favourite parts about Bradford is, you know, you go to games or you go on away day and you know everyone that's gone to the away day, you know that, you know, you can talk about, oh, do you know this shop? Have you ever been here? Or oh, have you ever tried this pub or this restaurant? And people are like, yeah, yeah. And it, for me, it's about the people you meet as well. Obviously, the football is different. I've, I've been to the Etihad a couple of times. I've been to Old Traf- Trafford a couple of times, you know, and the, it it is a good experience, but I think ultimately nothing will be, for me, the community I've built. And obviously, everyone's going to be biased. I, I could go to a Barrow game, say, and I'm not going to fit in with a community. I'm not going to go, oh, that's so-and-so. I'm not going to be gelling with people. I'm not going to be feeling the sort of community around the club. But at the same time, the fans of that club who were from there, I think that's a massive part about what makes lower lower level football what it is and what it feels like and sort of the sentimentality of it. And, you know, it, it is weird though, isn't it? Because at the same time, I get the same joy walking into my ground as you do Old Trafford, yeah. you know, Made and Ed fan gets the same joy walking into their grounds, you know, etc. It's it's an interesting one, but it, for me, I, I think no one's ever going to not prefer their own club, and I think that's why this debate's so interesting. But ultimately, yeah. no, you're never going to change anyone's mind. I don't think there's ever really correct answer, really, because yeah. somebody, somebody can always bring up good points. But in terms of football as a whole. Outside of Man United, I much prefer watching the EFL like or National League. Rather, like I like I touched on, like it's unpredictability. And I just I like like I'm a scout, so I do like watching players that I think you know what. Where can I see them in the future? Do I think they'll go to the top level? I think it's so fun, sort of unearthing unearthing them sort of players yeah. and putting them into my like tactical notes and stuff. Do you think there's like is there anyone who's on your radar now that you've seen and thought this, you know, how low down does it go? Is there anyone saying League Two or below that, or any any of the FL? Is there anyone who stands out to you and you go, yeah, this this guy's going to be there? Well, just like I say, I, I always mention it on Twitter, HG Football or one for the plug, but um, there's quite a couple I have all the way down, and that's why the FA Cup's so brilliant. And it's why I want to talk about this quickly. It's why it frustrates me so much that. The next FA Cup round, the ties have put on are ridiculous. Like they happen every single season. Um, you can watch them on Sky Sports. You can watch them on BT. You can watch them. I don't condone this dodgy sticks if you wanted to. But um, then you've got you've got ties like Maidstone. They were playing. I can't remember the player. I think it's Park Bay or something like that. But um, you don't get to see that every season. And they're not. You can give them TV revenue. You can give a chance. You could give money to a club that could grow from that money. But instead, you're making the richer, richer. And <clears throat> it annoys me a bit, to be honest, because especially from like a scout perspective, where I, I've got a chance to watch these leagues live on TV, 
when I won't be able to watch music could help me sort of spot a player. And that's from a selfish perspective. But um, <clears throat> from a club perspective, if I were like Maidstone or the lowest ranked team in the FA Cup, I, I would be a bit upset about it because they're putting on games that no one cares about, let's be honest. Well, the, the money that Maidstone could have made, if that money's going to say United, that's going to have way less of an impact to what it would to the likes of Maidstone and stuff like that. And it, it's kind of what upsets me. I think part of it is I'm a bit salty as an EFL fan, you know, or who do you support Bradford or what league are they in? What league even are they in? Or, or, yeah. uh, when were you even good and stuff like that? Or, or you know, some clubs, you know, there's the famous Akron and Stanley, who are they and stuff like that, which I guess now everyone knows who they are from that. But, it it's weird to me because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of these clubs deserve like some limelight. Man United, you're always going to be there, you know. Yeah. Maidstone United, when are they going to get this chance again? And it, it's weird. It's why not put this on? And I guess you know more more fans of the higher up clubs are going to you know click and watch. But mm-hmm. come on, it, it it's just it don't make sense to me. And I think you know it's. It's unfair, and and like you said, it, it's the players getting exposure that maybe they deserve. You know, they've worked hard to get this far into the tournament, and they're not really getting the exposure. And you know, in in your case, you're a scout. How many people could theoretically be seeing these players and saying, "Yeah, especially we'll have if them. it's like a let's say a club like Horsham, who's yeah. com- like London, wherever it is, so far I'm not going to go watch that game live. Um, yeah. So if you put it on the TV, you're opening up all these scouts from around the country that can't travel that day, maybe don't feel well, maybe just don't want to travel. They can just put it on the TV and think, you know what, he's a player, I'm going to look at him more, I'm going to recommend him. And it's a chance for the lower league players and the lower league clubs because they could get a fee for that player. Um, and like I say, it's not all about money, but for the lower league clubs, it, it is like they need to be sustainable, they need to keep a club running. Uh, the costs, like the the turnstile, the TV costs, that sort of runs their club, so they need to. They don't have super rich yeah. chairman or owners that low down. But like with the United game, I can understand that, not just because I'm a United fan, because they are playing Wigan away, <laughs> and with it being local, you know, League One club, and Wigan are just getting back onto the track. Obviously, they've had points deducted this season um, from financial problems. So, for that reason, I can understand, but in terms of like Crystal Palace, Everton, <sighs> Yeah. I don't even know where to start with that. The state of that is just it's ridiculous. Um, Arsenal, is Arsenal City, something like that, maybe. Um, like I say, it's a good game. Don't get me wrong, but we see it twice a season because every time they play each other, it's on TV, regardless yeah. what channel. So we don't need to see it again in an FA Cup match. Um, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time talking on this, but I think it's also important to highlight it because... They, they, won't, they won't change if not many people speak out about it because they'll just keep getting away with it because they know they'll probably get more viewers from them sort of clubs um, because the big clubs like United have a lot of like fans so they're going to watch it and bring viewers in but they need to start thinking wider than that and it's quite frustrating really even as like I'm pretty sure a lot of Crystal Palace and Everton fans would agree and they're on TV they'd say why, why aren't you giving it to the clubs that maybe aren't fortunate enough to be on TV all the time because some of them players won't make it out of National League South, but yeah. they could go into their career and say, listen, I played on ITV or BBC for people to watch. It's an achievement. So, like I say, it's frustrating. But, yeah, talking about the magic of the FA Cup, Bradford didn't sort of get anywhere with that, did they, this time? Shut up. It's, uh, to be honest, I'm not too bothered. We started the season mm-hmm. off a bit, you know, meh, Mark Hughes got sacked, which sort of a massive you could get a whole pod out of that but for me I think with a rocky start we had we sort of it's beneficial to focus on the league obviously a cup run Bradford fans all love cup runs and it's sort of thing that we'd like we'd all like to see you get money for the club stuff like that and you know you get all these iconic moments but for me now we need to sort of focus on the league and it seems like it's been beneficial but then again the cup games you know the Bristol Street Motors Trophy Games, as they're now called, have sort of proved very helpful for for Graham Alexander to sort of play around with his squad, sort of see who's good, see who's not, and also get the players used to his system. 
But I, I think I'm quite happy with the fact that we can now focus on the league just because I think, you know, me and my mates had this discussion once and it's, it is a weird one. I changed my mind after, but the question was, would you rather see Bradford win the league now or they win the league trophy or the, the league cup, but they don't go up? This season, and a lot of a lot, <clears throat> me and my mate both straight away said, "Oh, we'd rather win the league now." And then thought, "Hang about, why have we said that?" But at the same time, to Bradford fans, being in the league is just we don't like it, and it's it's weird because I really enjoy League Two, but at the same time, as a Bradford fan, we've got this innate sort of feeling that we're bigger than than we are, and we have to get out. But for me, I. I'd be very happy if we just focused on the league and sort of built the club that way instead of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. But it's. I think back when, I to... certain, when I look at certain teams that are ahead, I always associate them with a cup run. So whenever I think of Bradford yeah. in the cup, I always think of that, that massive cup run they went on. I know it won the FA Cup, but when they eventually lost to Swansea, in the, was it the final? Yeah. It yeah. And then the clubs like Lincoln and Grimsby, who went far in their runs. I think Lincoln lost to Arsenal in quarterfinals and Grimsby then lost to Brighton last season. So, from money perspective too, that's massive and it helps a lot. But in terms of Bradford, if I, would, if I had a gun to my head and I had to answer that, just to clarify, I do not have a gun to my head and I don't have to answer this, I'd probably say promotion just because um, I'm, I honestly think with a lot of Bradford fans, you could win the League Cup and the fans are still bored that you haven't got promoted. Yeah, I mean Ryan's put in in the chat there that they bought uh, Lincoln bought a new elite training ground with the money from the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. So. Exactly. So it's massive for the club to move forward. And... But at the same time, clubs might need different things to move forward. Like I, I, yeah. I and a lot of Bradford fans again bias, but I think we all believe that the thing that's holding us back is the league we're in. You know, less away tickets through the door, stuff like that. You know, I feel like we're a sort of club where once we get going, we'll go because we could carry the momentum. But we've not really found our footing yet, and I guess that's kind of where the almost desperation has come from. But it's weird. It's a sticky one because you're always going. Everyone's going to want to go up, but it just it feels like it's necessary and needed at this point. Yeah, my mind's changed a lot in terms of managers recently. Like obviously, I, I've called in for ten hours head a bit now, but that was quite rational. And to be honest with you, I still do don't think he's done good enough, and he should probably go. But in terms of managers, I do think they need to be backed more by fans. So if you go and like if you go don't win in three games, you, you can't afford to turn on them straight away. They deserve the managers for a reason. You're not going to win every game because if you won every game, there'd be a lot of disappointed opposition managers too. Um, somebody has to lose. Um, so you just have to stick with the managers. And obviously, if there's no sort of tactical approach and you're losing ridiculously, the, the players look like devoid of any ideas. And yeah, I understand. But if it's just like a free couple of results, I think it's good to stick with a manager instead of all turning on the manager because that's when things do get proper sour. So for you, what, what do you think the sort of telltale signs are for? Right, it's time to go. Like in ten hours, use ten hours as an example. What makes you think that? Um, so, to be honest with you, if there were no sort of players like him turning on him, like sort of out in Ronaldo, that was I give it like, oh, like yeah, that's fine. But then it was Sancho, then Varane, and now sort of Casemiro that we're all sort of going. Uh, Varane's not getting game time. He's playing Shaw at centre back over him, which is crazy just because they've had a fallout. Sometimes. I can understand if it was just one, but when it's becoming multiple occurrences and the players, it's affecting the players' performances on the pitch and they don't look that bothered anymore. It's sort of like, can I really see him turning it around from here? Sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's. I think I can sort of tell with some managers when the time's come just because, to be honest with you, actually I tell a lie because Norwich manager Wagner the other week they lost, I can't remember how many it was in a row, and I thought, wow, he's done the plays. looked so uninterested, and he turned it around, and although it's not been like an incredible turnaround, he's only picked up a few points here and there, and a couple of wins on the bounce. It's still positive to get the fans off, the back, off your back for a bit. So, But I usually look at the players' body languages, and 
Although you should probably have a go at the players for that. You can sort of see whether they're fed up of the manager or the as an FM term I like to use, do they don't buy in? Yeah. You, you can't gain buy-in from them anymore. Like they've had enough. They've don't don't like your principles, they don't like how you train, and they're not agreeing with your tactical approach. Um but some of the managerial seconds I've seen recently did surprise me. So Bonner at Cambridge, um Tony Mowbray at Suntour yeah, surprised yeah. me. Uh, that one in particular, to be honest. I do think they'll still do well with if they get a positive manager because they've got a good personnel. Yeah. But I think he, I think he improved players massively. I think he's a really good manager. Um, he played well, front foot football. He played no fear. And I think if he, I don't know if, if his plans are to go straight back into a club, there's some appealing job offers I imagine for him. Well, the thing is for him is sort of. It, it, to be honest, it didn't make sense to me. You know, they, they had a bit of bad form, but they weren't they weren't far from uh, playoffs. You know, they're in them now, sort of thing. It's it, it's just bizarre to me, and it's like he brought them up, and then in their first season back up, got them in the playoffs, and it's like okay, fair enough. And now they're not far from the playoffs either, and he's gone. It's it's just bizarre to me. And I guess the in the uh, sort of statement, the official statement, they said they want to go with someone who fits the the club's plans a bit more. So maybe they they couldn't see it going past playoffs and then not going up. But at the same time, it felt so so bizarre to me, and it came out of nowhere. And then there's the uh, just to quickly, sh- I think I think on. it was Alex Neil that took him up the championship. I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, Are you I think sure? I'm pretty sure he left him for Stoke. In, and then uh, more bread. Club. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I I'm checking now, but I I'm very very sure that he got him up. So just talk amongst yourselves for a minute, and then uh... yeah, I'll talk amongst myself. You're <laughs> <laughs> like two of us, mate. Yeah, and um, yeah, Sunland. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't know where I've got that from. But regardless of that, I just didn't want you getting quartered at the end of the episode. But I think on to, um, he did well, do a good job. I backed but, myself um, a bit too much there. I started Googling it to prove you wrong. Yeah, uh, and you. then there's the Chef United one. Uh, I've forgotten his name. But, Heckenbottom. Yeah. And then they've they've brought in the guy that they sacked to bring Heckingbottom in to take them to the Premier League. If you know what I mean. They, yeah. they sacked him got someone else in, someone else brought him to the Premier League and now they've sacked him to get the old guy in who's, uh, what's his name now? It's a, great fo- it's a great football yeah. podcast when no one knows the name. Well, when I don't. Um, but yeah, do you think that'll change much for Sheffield United or not? I think Man Nostalgia wants it to because in the first season he took him up, he finished like eighth of them. Yeah. But um, that's just, honestly, the problems do go further up than the manager. The, the owners didn't invest nearly enough. I mean, they signed Gustavo Arma and a couple of others, but they lost to Limited Jai. Um, I'm pretty sure there's someone else I'm probably missing there that, um, that they lost, and they didn't really replace them well enough. So the ownership do need The ownership have always been planning to sell, but they haven't sold. Yeah. So I think Heckenbottom was always going to struggle regardless. But I, I do also think the manner in defeats, like losing 8 0 at home to Newcastle, that's, there's no excuse for that, regardless of. Um, what sort of team you've got because the team's still it's shown already under Wilder that he's still good enough to compete in games they lost 2-0 to Liverpool but he competed for maybe 8-90 minutes of the game until it got killed off so you just if he can put together a team that can compete in every single game and he can pick up a few points here and there you know, I'd say why not but they want to hope they can drag as many teams into that bottom battle as possible so Forest they want to hope Everton sort of fall off because although Everton are playing well and they didn't have a points deduction they would be 10th um, the reality is there's still only four points from the relegation zone so all yeah. the teams are in a form and the players start to lose confidence and they're back into it although I don't think they will be it's still a possibility I think they are nailed on to go down though I mean I'm not saying that like it's a hot take and that this is the sort of like level of immense opinion that you get on this podcast but they are going down I think them and Burnley I expected Burnley to stay up and then 
it's just not it's just not happening now so i don't know what you think's gone wrong there it's just they, they it's the manner in which they came up for me is what surprised me um to see them sort of struggle well up until now i guess one way to think about it is they went up playing premier league style football but now they're playing that against premier league teams who are better at it and stuff so i guess that's you could exact, say that um... That's the exact problem they have. They played. I probably say they could be the best championships I've ever seen in yeah. terms of the standards they met and how good they was. But the issue is the the gap of the level between the championship and the Premier League is quite high. Um, and when you've when you've already got maybe fifteen Premier League teams that play that sort of football, you're not gonna you're not just gonna get your own way. But I think they've lacked ruthlessness. They've not looked like scoring many goals. They've not looked like having a strike that's going to bring them 10 or 15 goals a season. That has been a problem. And they've been relying on individual quality. Now they've lost Coley Osho for the season. He's gone for the season. He's probably the main bright spark. I don't see a way, regardless, they shouldn't sack Vincent Company. Don't sack a manager who's brought you back with a, yeah. let's be honest, a, a good style of football that's just not working. He does need to adapt. Um, they've shown signs against um, Brighton away. They drew one all. It's a good point. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I can't see him staying up personally. It's weird. And then, so do you think the current bottom three will be the bottom three come the end of the season? Um, it's a tough one, but if you if if I had to say, I'd probably say I probably would say just Sheffield United. But I do think we'll put up a decent fight. I don't think Wilder will not let them put up a decent fight. And then I think um, I think Burnley will go down and. Then it's between Luton for me or Nottingham Forest. And oh, do you know what? Even Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace look awful, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say, just for the viewers, I'll say Forest will go down and Luton will stay up. And that's, what, that's what I think. I don't know. I just feel like, and I know I'm probably going to be very wrong, but everyone wants Luton to stay up. And I yeah. guess that's kind of you know, the story of it and stuff. But for me, it's like they've almost got an advantage in that they know they're not meant to be in the Premier League. So they can just go out and play, you know. Well, yeah. A lot of people have said, aren't they, the sort of recruitment they made was fit for the Championship so yeah. next season. And they're just going to, like, I think even even if Luton went down, the supporters would be like, right, we'll give it a good shot. Like, because it's not like the players are not trying They've yeah. just got like the quality between the players they have and other teams. Obviously, obviously, just levels to it. Like one of the best players has been Ross Barkley, who struggled elsewhere. Um, but the fight they're showing is like it's brilliant. I hope they do stay up. But I think everyone has loved that every Premier League fan. But um, it definitely will be difficult. I think they're the sort of team where, like you said, they're preparing, and I feel like they're expecting to go down this season. And if they do go down, they could just be ready to come straight back up, you know. It could be, you know, that's not always the case, you know. Football surprises you. But it seems like they've got quite the sustainable model for the growth within the squad and the club and sort of like, okay, so we're here now. Let's make sure next time we're here, we're ready and stuff like that. Well, yeah, they've got, I think the most expensive sign ever is Ryan Giles for £5 million. Um, so it shows these teams like Fulham have gone up in past and spent £120 million and gone back down and although it didn't in the long run it could have caused some problems Yeah. Um, so they've, they've done it well they've sort of they've kept going with their model and they've said listen we're going to play how we do we're going to spend how we still spend and if we do go down we've got the team in place to get back up or be in a good position to get back up um, and I like that I really do like that they back themselves and um, and it's not like they look completely out of place. They're putting up some good, like said mentioned earlier, the Arsenal game, the City game, they're putting up good fights. Um, so it is, it is nice to see that. I'd love them to stay up, but I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like the, some of the scorelines Luton have had against big teams, they're not the scorelines, you know, better teams have had against these. And, uh, you know, maybe they the bigger clubs and the favourites come to Luton with a bit of an easier approach. But at the same time, you know, Man City, they beat you 3-0. And 
you know, Luton only lost by one goal. They got absolutely dominated, sure, but so did you, you know, and that's, it's it's interesting, you know, I'm just going to rip on United, but um, no, it's interesting that they're capable and then again, bouncing off what I said earlier about being ready to come straight back up, you look at Leeds, you look at Leicester, they've gone down and the it sort of applies to the golfing quality. Bottom level Premier League uh, sides can do wonders at the top of the championship. It's really, yeah. really fascinating to see how that works. I mean, there's all the parachute money or they can sell some of their assets, you know, and then that money goes a lot further, league below. But overall, it's just fascinating to sort of see how it works. It definitely will be a hip switch go up to. Um, I, I to see how Because what he's done really well is in League One, the had some of the most possession stats, but they've realised in champ he did what company didn't do. He yeah. adapted and understood that the league's going to be far better this season than the League One. So he changed, he put slight tweaks in place. They've had less possession, but they're far more effective than the one was last season. And it's sustainable because they're creating one of the most chances in the league. And imagine if he got promoted again, he'd understand again the jump up's massive. So to Put them slightly. He's a really good coach, and I think it was. I also think it would survive in Premier League, or have the best think? chance of surviving with him. I, I mean, it'd be really exciting to see them go up because I mean, not long ago we were saying, "Oh, look what Ipswich are doing in League One," and now it's, "Oh my God, look what they're doing in the Championship." And you know, imagine just seeing them even just staying up in the Premier League would be massive, even compared to what they're doing now, and. Like you said, I I won't I won't expect them to go down, or I won't be surprised if they stayed up. Probably, I'd be more surprised to see them go down than stay up, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, it's it's been a nice first episode to chat with you, Charlie. It has. It has been a nice first episode. This is the uh, the pilot because we're professional, um, so. We we need to ask people if anyone wants to, you know, say anything, sort of thoughts on this. You know what? Yeah. Any guests you want to are realistic and not yeah. like, messy or in Oh, no, he's coming on drop. next week. Yeah. About week after, I think. But yeah. um, on our, if you drop us a comment on our Twitter, we'll put a post out later this evening, which is when we're recording this, it's Sunday. But um, our Twitter is after the night there. Uh, do you know the app, Charlie? Because I'm quite poor at this. After the 90? Well, let me have a look. <laughs> See, we come this prepared. The best pod. After the 90, all in words, with an underscore at the end. After the 90, underscore. Uh, yeah, drop us a follow if you've not found us from Twitter and just let us know anything you'd like to see. If there's anything you didn't like about this pod or anything you did like, let us know because it allows us to make sort of the best content for you. But yeah, in terms of schedule, we don't really have a strict schedule yet of how many uploads we'll be doing. But I'm hoping after a few uploads, we can sort of discuss around yeah. our schedules we already have and to put a sort of plan in place. But for now, like I said, there'll be no sort of... There'll be no, we'll, we'll sort of do episodes on content that we feels like fit, but there won't really be a structure. We just want to chat football, really, and chat about stuff that we've done in week and just, yeah, just make it as... Um, forward as possible, but um, yeah, like I say, follow our Twitter after 90 underscore any sort of um, in fact, actually, if you watch if, you, if you're watching this podcast, whether it's in your car at home, take a screenshot, send it to our Twitter, and we'll put we'll retweet it on Twitter for you. Yep, um, but yeah, it's been nice, it's been a great first episode, Charlie. Yeah, um, it's been brilliant. Yeah, so thanks for joining us, and we'll, we'll be back again soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.